The following is from East Delta Baptist Church. For more information, visit us online at www.eastdeltabc.com. But I, I wanted to, uh, to kind of get started on a little bit of a lighter note before, before I bring it into a heavier note. Uh, so I found some more I want to say. Some of that stuff might not have uh, sounded off to y'all because you grew up or been around uh, the Christian world long enough to, that does, you know, People don't normally say these words in the, in, out there in the, in the main world. Those are a lot of Christian words. Uh, I might have said some of these last time. Hedge of protection. Uh, I think of a hedge as a bush. I'd prefer a wall. Uh, washed in the blood, uh, which definitely is theologically sound, but to an outside, you know, what are we talking about washing ourselves in blood? That sounds kind of cultic. Uh, traveling mercies. They said that on there. Uh, that means, you know, have a safe trip. Uh, I saw this one the other day from a family member. I covet your prayers. Isn't coveting a sin? Um, we talked about a love offering. Uh, people outside the church. What is that, a hug? Uh, bow your head and close your eyes. Where else would you hear that one? Uh, I see your hands. You know, after you bow your head and close your eyes, you know, raise your hand. Yeah, I see your hands. Uh, it's a God thing. Lift him up. Again, these are just things that we would not normally hear outside the church that, you know, we need to make sure we're being clear when we're talking to people. Uh, sermon. This is a weekly speech. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to translate some of these. Uh, I have the gift of discernment. It means I can judge you without talking to you, right? Y'all can laugh. Some of these are meant to be funny. I'm not being too serious here. <laughs> uh, that's not my calling. That means I don't want to. Uh, I feel led. I think this is what I'm supposed to do. The gift of singleness. That means he's too ugly to get a date. I'll pray about that. No, I'm not going to help. Have you prayed about that? I think that's a really bad decision. Uh, I'm feeling convicted. One day I'll change my actions. And the spirit was moving today. Man, that preacher went really long. So... Do we want the Spirit to be moving? Yes. Do I want to go, y'all want me to go really long today? No. Uh, one, one last one I'll, I'll, I'll see, and this is a, um, get y'all involved on this one. Uh, God is good? All the time? But is He really? And the heaviness just hit. Is He really? That's, that's kind of my question for today. Is, is God really good? And and I'm asking this myself. I've, I've questioned this, and I ask, have you ever questioned this? And in, in fact, is there anything that you actually have ever uh, questioned as a believer as we're going through life? Uh, have you ever questioned what you've been taught or what you've always heard? And I want to start off saying that we have to know that it, that it has to be okay to question things. Uh, I believe that if we never question things, if we're always just taking in what we're hearing, then our faith can remain shallow. Because we're never really getting into the, the reasons why we believe. We just take what we've been told and we just go with it. Uh, or uh, what happens is that we secretly question things in our heart, but we never actually let it out. And because we never voice it, uh, our, we end up getting hardened or perhaps angry because nobody else out there ever seems to doubt like we do. What's wrong with me? 
Why am I having such, such struggles? Why am I uh, having a problem with this? Why am I having a such time, hard time believing this? Everybody else gets it. I'm out here all alone. Which is not a true case because most people question at some point, but it's not voiced. So it leaves people kind of stranded and feeling isolated. And in, in my life, there, there's been a lot of things that I have uh, questioned or I've been reevaluating or unlearning and relearning. Uh, I don't like the idea of believing something just because it's what I've always been taught or what because somebody has always said. I, I want to know, is this a true thing? Uh, I don't want to go with what the majority thinks. I want to go with what God's word says. I want to see what God has truly said in his word, and I want to believe that. Now, most of the time when I start questioning things and say, is this really what the Word of God says? Most of the time, what I've heard in my life is what God's Word says. Most of the things I've heard lines up with, yes, that is, that is a correct thing. There are some things, though, that uh, I have found that um, I might be wrong on something. And I go to God's Word and I see what God's Word says and I try to align myself with, with what His Word is saying and not necessarily what I've been taught or uh, heard or maybe I just personally believe myself. So this idea of God's goodness, going back to, going back to that, and his desire for our good, it, it's, that's something that I've struggled with the past couple of years. Um, most of the rest of what I'm going to be talking about today is going to be based on my story. Uh, you can, you know, Christianese, you can call it a testimony, or you can call it my story, or you can call it my life experiences of what's going on. But most of what the rest of this is going to be based upon on that and what I feel that God has been teaching me. Uh, so I was, I was talking to uh, um, Jared in Sunday school. You know, I said, I, I'm, I was just thinking about my speech, and it's your speech. It's like, well, I mean, yeah, it's, it's just a speech. I mean, here's, I've wrote it out, and I'm talking to you, but uh, this has um, been my life here, so... Most of y'all know uh, about Lindsay and I's struggle with trying to have a baby. So I'm going to start kind of from the beginning if you're not familiar with the story. Um, so Elise will be four next month. So uh, before she was ever conceived, Lindsay had a miscarriage. And it was one of those things we found out Lindsay was pregnant and Pretty soon after that, I mean, we made the call. We were all excited. We made the call. Hey, we're going to get a doctor appointment set up. We're going to go get it checked out. Well, before we made it to the doctor appointment, Lindsay had miscarriage symptoms. And it was one of those things like, well, we didn't even know that long. We didn't know long enough to even tell anybody, so we didn't tell anybody. And when we had found out the news on the miscarriage, we still never told anybody. And it was a lot harder on us than what we thought it was going to be. We thought, okay, you know, you know, this happens, and actually it's like one out of every four women have a miscarriage. It's actually a very high statistic, but we, uh, we just kind of moved on. This would be okay, and it, it actually got pretty hard, especially when people started coming up saying, hey, when y'all going to have a baby? Hey, when you going to have a kid? So, some, like I said, uh, some of this stuff is... Uh, it's always a long time before I come back and preach again, so there's a lot of things I want to say. So if it sounds like I'm going off on a tangent, it's because it's going to be a year before I have another chance to say this, so I want to get it out now while it's on my mind. So just going to throw that out there. Uh, I think we need to be careful with things that we're saying to young couples who don't have kids because they may be trying. And to say things like, when are you going to have a kid, um, can really be crushing. 
And, and I know this because since I, we've gone through this, I've talked to people who've gone through the same similar things. Eventually, Elise did, uh, was born. We had, we had Elise. Uh, that was great. The pregnancy was great. Elise is crazy, but, you know, everything went great. Uh, and then at Elise's two-year birthday party, uh, we had her announce to the whole family that was at our house that Elise was going to ha- be a big sister. Um, it's a pretty awesome time. Uh, Lindsay's starting to show. I'm talking to the belly. Uh, through the belly, I guess. And then uh, we ordered furniture. Furniture's going to be delivered. And then at around nine weeks, Lindsay started having miscarriage symptoms again. Uh, at this point, we were very crushed. I was praying, begging, what is going on? Let this be okay. Um, the day we found out that she actually did miscarry uh, was the day Walmart called and said, hey, you need to come pick up your baby changing table. That was pretty hard. Uh, but the difference was is at this point we actually told everybody. So because we told everybody, it was a little bit easier because we had people that came up and supported us. People, you know, uh, weren't saying, hey, when are you going to have a kid? Because they knew that what was going on. Uh, and I, I started, but I still started to get angry. I was very upset about this. Um, and then I, I really, truly felt like God had put it in my heart that he was going to let Lindsay get pregnant again and us have a kid within like five months. And that five months came, and I was excited because I, I just knew it. I knew this is what God was saying, but it was wrong. Uh, sometimes my feelings and my thoughts and what I think are wrong. As I said, sometimes I'm not correct. Um, Then she had miscarriage symptoms again. We didn't even know she was pregnant. We, we found out basically because she was having these symptoms. And uh, that, I went to, uh, this wasn't this past summer, but it was the summer before that, I went to church camp uh, with the youth here. And I was talking to the, the speaker there. His name was Garrett Wagner. And he, up on stage, he was telling his story. And it was a very similar story to my story and, and Lindsay's story. And, and I went up and he, he was saying how he, God used that as a time to teach him certain things, and he said it strengthened his marriage with his wife, and that he grew so much in God through that time. So I thought, I'm going to come up and talk to him and just kind of share my story. But the thing is, is that I could not find anything good. I looked. I mean, it's been months. I see no good here. I mean, Romans 8, 28 says God works things for the good of those who love him. Do I love God good enough? What is the good here? And at this point, I'm yelling, I'm arguing, I'm being very disrespectful in my prayers. Uh, I wasn't saying what the S or whatever like this guy up here was. It was much worse. And I'm really glad God is slow to anger because of how how that went down. Lindsay conceived again, but again, miscarriage symptoms almost immediately, which this turned into the ectopic pregnancy that she had, the tubal pregnancy, um, emergency surgery, and I'm devastated. I'm, I'm freaking out in the, in the emergency room or the waiting room where I was at. I'm, I'm begging and pleading that she's okay. I'm praying, but even though I was scared to death, 
because of all the times I'd prayed and asked God to save the baby, allow the baby to live, now, now I'm thinking, well, is he hearing my prayers at all? Is this worth anything? So I'm still looking for the good. So after the surgery, she's down to just one side. They had to remove one, one tube there. And uh, amazingly, she gets pregnant again. Uh, the chances didn't go down any. We're like, all right, we're, we're still good. There's still, there's still a chance here. Uh, and then eight weeks into it, you can guess what happened. Um, this is a pretty big crisis and, and crossroads or fork in the road in, in, for my faith at that point. Lindsay's talking to me on the phone. I'm, I'm pacing out. I was at my parents' house out in the driveway just walking up and down, talking to her on the phone because she's telling me everything that's going on. And uh, she says, Jeremy, do you believe that God is good? And I said, yes, I, I do believe that God is good. I think the Bible's clear he is he's good. And she says, Jeremy, do you believe that God is good to you? No. No, I don't believe that God is good to me. That's how I felt at the time. I did not feel that way. I couldn't see it. However, you know, it's been uh, a year and a half, two years since the, you know, the on-start of all this, and I just couldn't see it. The thing was, is I didn't begin to question if God was real. I didn't start to lose faith and think, well, God's not even there. God is not existing here. I fully believed that God was there. To me, it just started to look like God just didn't care very much. So I started to just not care. Yeah, God, you're there. Whatever. I continued to pray for others. If there was something going on that somebody needed to pray for, I would pray for them. I stopped praying for myself, though. Because praying for myself, I didn't see results. I didn't see what I wanted to see. I'm hoping these other people, God will work for them, because I'm not seeing it from me. I'm stopping. I'm not going to pray for myself. I'll pray for these people, but I'm done with myself on this. Um, Because here's the thing. I've been uh, working at this church since 2004. So that's 13 years, right? I was a youth pastor here for 10 years, a few months shy of that. I had many opportunities to talk to people who are going through rough times and talked with them and guide them through. Here's what God can do through this. Here's how you can focus on this. Here's your mentality. I knew what to say. I knew the words to say. I could tell myself that. You know, people try to share things. I know I've said all those things. I'm saying it to myself. It just it, it didn't help. Now, because most people knew this, most everybody, especially this church, so there were so many people that were comforting and supportive and that just helped us through those times. Uh, again, there are some things that I, I want to say that, and I'd plead with you to not say. Uh, again, I, I talked to a friend of mine this past year at church, uh, at this same church camp. He's going through the same exact stuff and it's just crushing. So here, here's some things. If you said any of this stuff, I want you to know that I don't have any kind of anger or animosity or anything but grace towards you. There's, you know, because it's, it's real hard to be on both sides of that situation. Trying to help somebody to think of the words to say and guide them through when you don't really know what to say. So I, 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 I put no blame or fault, but 
There's some things that you shouldn't say to somebody who's been in this situation. Maybe there's something wrong with the baby, so God took him or her. No joke, there was something wrong. That's why there was a miscarriage. And besides all that, God is a God of life, not a God of death. Here's the one I hear the most. It happened for a reason. Unless you're 100% certain and you know what that reason is, please don't say it. We don't know a reason. We don't see the reason. And if you know it, tell me. But unless you're 100%, that's not comforting. I heard this one from somebody I worked with. Uh, Keep trying. It's God's plan that you will have one. This one was funny to me, actually. I kind of, I got a little bit of chuckle about this because I'm thinking, what is God telling you about my future children? But he's not telling me that. I mean, you're my, you know, co-worker here. Why is he talking to you, not me, about my children? Uh, But yeah, that, that didn't help. Or keep trying. In God's time, you'll have a kid. And maybe this one's even true. Because, you know, our time is not God's timing. But the fact is, we still had a baby that died. We're not replacing a goldfish. That, that statement quickly jumps over the mourning process of what we've gone through and what happened. Uh, let's not pretend. I mean, if we as Christians believe that um, life begins at conception then we need to not act like and, and not pretend that there was not an actual loss there. You see, all these statements that people were giving us, these reasons, these things that people were saying to comfort us, and these things that I was believing that I would say now are false ideas and false thoughts in my mind was stemming from the idea that, you know, that I was basing my idea of God's goodness and His plan on our definition of God's goodness and not what God's Word really says. Because in our world, we, we see bad things happen to good people. So because we see this stuff, we, we say things that, that will try to justify what's going on. We say phrases like, everything happens for a reason. And this is not in the Bible. The Bible does not say everything happens for a reason. The closest we can get is what I read earlier that says uh, in Romans 8.28, uh, that we know in all things God works for the good of those who love Him, who have been called according to His purpose. But that's not the same thing as everything happening for a reason. You see, God can work something good out of bad, but that's not the same thing as causing the bad for good. Because that's kind of what that statement implies. It happens for a reason. God calls that for a reason. But God, again, is a God of life. God gives life. I mean, in the Garden of Eden, He said that if you sin, you will die. Death is a punishment. Death is not good. God doesn't cause bad things to happen for good. That is called utilitarianism, where the ends justify the means. That is not a Christian idea. It says, in the beginning, God created everything, and after He had finished, He declared it all very good. Genesis 1, God saw all that He had made, and it was very good. And since God is perfect, I mean, He has to be His God. I mean, He has every right to be perfect. Uh, There's no other way around that. Then everything that God said is good would have to be perfect too. There's no flaws. But in Genesis chapter 3, this is where we see the fall. 
We see the fall of man. God said, do not sin, do not eat of this fruit, or you will die. In other words, what he's saying is, look, this is, this is what I'm, I'm kind of laying out, this paradise for you. Everything is here is great. You've got you know, pretty trees. You've got these animals you can come and hang out with. Go pet the lion if you want. He's not going to bite. You know, you've you got this lovely fruit. Uh, and I'm sure the fruit tasted pretty good back then, and so did the vegetables. They're not that great t- today. Again, it's the fall, right? So, but it wasn't about the fruit. God, I mean, it wasn't, there wasn't anything evil about the fruit. God's just saying, look, I want you to know that you can trust me and I love you, and I know it's good for you. So I'm just going to say, if you do things my way, it's going to work out. But if you decide to try to do what you think is good, there will be death. Because you're diverging from the perfect plan and the perfect garden and the perfect world that I've created. There's a way that seems right to man, but in the end is death. And that's what was happening here when they ate this fruit. Romans 8, 18-22 says, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. For the creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it and hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom and, the, and glory of the children of God, we know that the whole creation has been groaning as in pains of childbirth right up to the present time. So in chapter 3 of Genesis, God cursed the ground because of sin. He kicked Adam and Eve out of the garden because they would have eternal life and well, if everything was going to be decaying, life was going to be hard for a long time if they never died. And that's kind of almost a little bit of a, a relief to not have to suffer in a world that's imperfect forever. So what, what I'm seeing here is um, why do bad things happen? How many of y'all ever watched Forrest Gump? Okay, See, Jake's always talking about these old movies that most of us... Younger ones don't have a clue what he's talking about. So at least Forrest Gump, most people in here has had a chance to see. Uh, so there's a, there's a quote in Forrest Gump. I, I love this movie. He, he's, you know when he's running? I just felt like running. You know, he, he's running forever, and that guy comes up to him. He's trying to get some kind of advice, and he jumps, and he goes, man, you just stepped in a big pile of dog crap, poop, whatever, whatever word we want to use here. I'm editing it for y'all's sake. Um, and, and Forrest Gump says, he goes, it happens sometimes. And that guy came up with a, you know, a really good bumper sticker that said, crap happens. And that's, that's it. That's, that's what's going on. We live in a fallen world. And because we live in a fallen world, bad things happen. Bad things happen to good people, as we say. But that itself is a false idea, that bad things happen to uh, good people. Because my question is, why do we think bad things should not happen to us? Uh, Because we're not always the best people. We're not always good people who are deserving of God's goodness. And as we can clearly find in Scripture all over the place, Romans 3.12 says, For we know, that's not Romans 3.12, All have turned aside, together they have become worthless. No one does good, no, not even one. Uh, Psalm 51.5 says, uh, that it's um, 
David, he's talking, he says, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. And then Romans 3.23 says, All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. In other words, the Bible's very clear that we've all fallen. We've, we've all messed up. None of us are perfect. None of us are good. So when we say bad things happen to good people, it, it, where does it say that we are good people? Uh, I have a, there's an organization I, uh, I follow. They have a podcast, and uh, they have like a record label, and they do put out books and stuff, but they're called Bad Christian. And uh, I have a T-shirt that says Bad Christian on it, and I, I've talked to some of y'all about it before in here. Uh, but I, was, uh, I used to have a toy hauler camper, and I was trying to sell that thing. Oh, that was the worst investment ever, <laughs> just on a side note. But the guy that was, bought it or come up to look, he, he saw my shirt. He said, isn't that Bad Christian? Isn't that an oxymoron? So, no, actually a good Christian would be oxymoron. Because the first thing a Christian has to do to become a Christian is to say, I've sinned and I've messed up. You know, we have this, oh, he's a good Christian guy. They might be a decent person in the world's eyes, but there's some kind of sin in that person's life. There's some kind of mistake that they're doing. So when bad things happen, the blame should not be placed upon God. Because as we looked, he created it all good. He created everything perfect. We decided to go our own way. We decided to do what we thought was good instead, and that's why bad things happen. Um, So the better question would be is, why does God allow good to happen to us who are bad people? Uh, Because a perfect, just God cannot allow sin to to remain. He can't allow sin to go unpunished. Job 10.14 says, If I sin, you watch me, and you do not acquit me of my iniquity. He lets no offense go unpunished. Numbers 14, 18 says, The Lord is slow to anger, thankfully, and abounding in steadfast love, forgiving iniquity and, and transgression, but he will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on their children to the third and fourth generation. So we see here that God is slow to anger. He forgives sins, but he still punishes the guilty. He, he still has to show justice. Now, ultimately, God has punished all sin onto his son. Like he punished it all by the death of his son. That's where the ultimate punishment is. So for us believing Christians, that's, that is good news. But our, so therefore our righteousness that we have is still not based upon what we have done. It's been imputed to us. Like Jesus has covered us with his blood. There's a, that Christianese thing again that's kind of weird. Okay? But he, he's covered us. He's made that perfect sacrifice for us that we are righteous. But th- and this should actually be encouraging. This should not be like, oh man, this is a horrible sermon. This is not a good message. But the point is not to make us feel bad about ourselves or to cast a negative picture, but it should be encouraging. God in his justice and sovereignty has every right to wipe us out. But he doesn't. He doesn't. He chooses out of his love and he chooses out of his goodness to show us mercy. Exodus thirty three nineteen. He's he's about to show Moses his glory. Moses wants to see it, and, and he's about to pass by. And he says, uh, God says, I will make all my goodness pass before you, and will proclaim before you my name, the Lord. And I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious, and will show mercy on whom I will show mercy. God chooses to show mercy when He doesn't have to. He doesn't have to. Romans 11.32 says that he has consigned all to disobedience so that he can show mercy to all. In 2 Corinthians 12.10, this is what brings it together for me. For the sake of Christ, then I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. 
So through our failures and our struggles and things coming after us, that's what we can boast in. We can boast and have hope in the goodness of God. We know that God is good because we're still in existence. We know that God is good because He has shown us mercy. And not just to, not just to Christians. I mean, He's shown, he's shown goodness to everyone. Uh, there, there's what we have that's called common grace. I don't know who coined the term, but uh, common grace. Matthew 5.45 says, So that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven. Uh, I'm skipping that part. For He makes His Son rise on the evil and on the good. And He sends rain on the just and on the unjust. See, God is good to everyone. The fact that he's sending rain and sun back then, you know, they couldn't go to the to Brookshire's and get some food. You know, they're growing their own crops. This rain and sun is providing them, everyone, the good and bad, with a way to grow their crops so they can have food, so they can survive and support their family. Uh, I know I've been around so many Christians that in our own, our goodness, we won't even go shop at a local store because we disagree with somebody's beliefs. What we're saying when we do that is I don't believe this person deserves to have any money to make a living, to survive, and to sustain their family. That's what we're saying if we don't want to go shop somewhere. I'm not talking about supporting a corporation. I'm talking about just shopping somewhere uh, or or not shopping somewhere just because we believe slightly different. God, he values all life here. He, He let it rain on the good and the bad, the just and the unjust. That's common grace. Everyone can enjoy a good meal. Everyone can have deep friendships. Everyone can have a, uh, a good marriage. But Christians can enjoy those things to a much deeper level because we know that these are good gifts from God that lead us to praising Him and being thankful for Him. James 1.17 says, Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. All good things... Come from God. So on my quest, my question is, you know, is God good? I'm, this is what I'm starting to see. God is good. I'm here. I'm alive. Okay? I, I talk about this all the time. You know, uh, food. If you like to eat food, I like to eat food. There's good food and there's bad food. And there's food that tastes awesome and there's food that just tastes pretty good. Food doesn't have to have a flavor. All it's supposed to do is, is like, keep us alive. God is good in that he gave food flavor. Uh, Lindsay, Elise, uh, and I, we went with Steve and Tina to um, Mena, Arkansas, and we drove around to look at the scenic route, all the different colors. I think there were a bunch of different colors of trees, you know, with the, but it was so foggy we couldn't see anything, could we, Steve? It was just, <laughs> it was, you know, we had to drive pretty slow. Those are things that we can enjoy. Those are things that God has shown us, his goodness. We could be living in a black and white world. Matthew seven eleven. If you then you who are evil know how to get, give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good gifts to those who ask Him? So again, I go back to my story, and I think, well, Psalms one twenty seven also says that children are a blessing. We're not having children again. This wasn't about it. Wasn't about. Uh, having a baby, but it was keeping the one that she's pregnant with. That's, that's, that was my struggle. So like I said, I knew the truth of God's word, knew what it said, but it was my feelings that were getting the best of the situation. And I think we live in a culture today where our feelings trump truth. 
are, we're so, if, it, if, it, if we feel a certain way, then that's bad. It doesn't matter what the reality of the situation is. Our feelings are, seem to kind of override us. But we see, in Matthew 11, John the Baptist found himself in prison. You know, he had already been preaching the coming of the Messiah. He baptized Jesus. He saw, you know, the Spirit come down upon John. He says, this is the one whose sandal I'm unworthy to tie or untie, whatever it was he said, something about dealing with his sandals. Anyway, he, he knew this was Jesus the Messiah. And because he was the one who was making straight the path, you know, he kind of had a good end with the Messiah. You know, like he's in good standing here, but yet he finds himself in prison. This would be a very unexpected place. So he sends his disciples to go talk to Jesus. Ask him, ask Jesus, if he is the one to come, or should we be expecting someone else? So Jesus answered, Go and tell John what you hear and see. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear, and the dead are raised up, and the poor have good news preached to them. And as he's going on, what he's doing here is he's quoting from different passages in Isaiah that describe the Messiah. How he's going to give sight to the blind and heal the, the, the lepers and, and allow the deaf to hear. And all these things that he's saying, one of the big things that's always mentioned in Isaiah that he's going through is that, and he will set the captives free. The prisoners will be released. So you know John is getting pumped. Oh yeah, I know what's coming. Yeah, the deaf are hearing. Yeah, the blind are seeing. And the prisoners are going to see get set free. But that's not what Jesus says. He said, the last thing he says here is, and blessed is the one who's not offended by me. How do you think John felt after that? He's getting, he's fist bumping. He knows what's coming when he's hearing all this stuff. And he gets that and prisoners are not getting set free. He realizes right then that he's staying in prison. And he's probably going to die. But Jesus says, blessed is the one who's not offended by me. Just because we feel a certain way that seems true to us does not mean that that is the reality of the situation. God's goodness, His Messiahship, His godliness, His Godhead, that was not based upon John's expectations. And who Jesus is and His goodness is not based upon my expectations of what He should be doing in my life. He is God and He is good because He is good. It's not based upon my happiness. That type of thinking leads to the health and wealth gospel, which I've talked about before. Uh, But the question ends up going, okay, well, if God is so good and God gives good things and He can stop the bad, why doesn't He? In short, because He'd have to wipe us out. Because, as I said before, we all have evilness in us. We all have done bad. If we want him to stop bad things and evil, then he needs to get rid of us completely. But see, this would actually be an evil thing of God to control you. If God controlled you, that would not be good and loving. It would be an overbearing, abusive relationship. If he forced us to do good and forced us to do no bad, that's an abusive relationship. But instead, God's not being not good. He's being patient. 2 Peter 3, nine says, The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient towards you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. 
He's just waiting on us. He is allowing, he is allowing bad to be in this world because He's waiting on us to turn to Him. Our greatest hope then of God's love and God's goodness is going to be most shown upon our ultimate reconciliation in His presence in the kingdom of God. So though at this time we are in a fallen, corrupted, running down world, it says that Jesus is making all things new. In 1 Corinthians 15, starting in verse 42, it says, So it is with the resurrection of the dead. What is sown is perishable, and what is raised is imperishable. It is sown in dishonor, it is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness, it is raised in power. It is sown a natural body, it is raised a spiritual body. If there is a natural body, there is also a spiritual body. Thus it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living being. The last Adam became a life-giving spirit. But it's not the spiritual that is first, but the natural, and then the spiritual. The first man was from the earth, a man of dust. The second man is from heaven. As was the man of dust, so also are those who are of the dust. And is the man of heaven, so also are those who are of heaven. Just as we have borne the image of the man of dust, we shall also bear the image of the man of heaven I tell you this, brothers, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of the eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be imperishable and, we'll be, and we shall be changed. For this perishable body must put on the imperishable and this mortal body must put on immortality. When the perishable puts on the imperishable and the mortal puts on the immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. So for myself now, in my story, I'm still relearning how to pray for myself again. Because I see God's goodness. And my hope, you know, uh, who was it, the, the guard that said, Lord, I believe, but help me in my unbelief. I've clinged to that. And my hope for me and you, when we're facing times of stress and doubt and times when it seems like God is not listening or maybe times when God seems like He's not there, is that we'll face it with faith in God as a good God. And similar to how Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, which is the Hebrew names of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, we should go with their Hebrew names before they were changed. That's just a little side note there. Before they were thrown into the fiery furnace, our God is able to deliver us. And if He doesn't, we will remain faithful to Him and trust that He is good, not bow down to our deceptive feelings, And we await the day that He makes all things new and right and perfect. No more pain or sorrow. The day of His return. Let's pray. Dear Father God, Jesus, I thank You that You are good. Lord, I pray that I will not be... um, uh, led astray by my own feelings, Lord, that I will, uh, I will know that the truth is that you are good, God, that you want the best for us, knowing that you are allowing bad things to happen at times because you're patiently waiting for us to all to turn to you. 
God, that you love us so you give us the choice to serve you, to love you back. That it's a, it's a loving relationship that you want with us, not controlling and abusive. God, I pray that we'll keep this in mind in our hearts as we're going through life and things get tough, Lord. Our feelings lie, but your word is true and you are good. It's in Jesus' name.